I've uh, been saving this one up. So, uh, Nicholas Briggs, I'm coming for your job. You are listening to a... Pr- to a- oh, I've forgotten the words. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been really impressive. If it had <laughs> okay. Let's try this again. You are listening to a podcast of spurious morality. Maho! Yeah. Big finish. (laughs) Big finish. Get Connor on the phone. I'm coming for Nick Briggs' job. Bring me a ring modulator at once. (laughs) We should. You've got to do the rest of the podcast in that voice now. Um. Like if you, you want, to, if you want to send a lifetime supply of throat lozenges to me, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like that, it could be a whole feature, like Connor the Jadoon reviews. <laughs> no, we'll just forget it ever happened. Oh no, no, no! It's going online and it's going to stay there forever. Wonderful. And welcome to a podcast of Spurious Morality, our first episode of 2023. Um, I can't believe that we've been podcasting for as long as we have, Uh, but we've made it into our second year. It's quite exciting Um, and naturally the best way of celebrating a new podcast in 2023 is uh, looking back over the last month of 2022. That's what we're doing today. (laughs) We're looking at big finish releases from December. Uh, I'm Johnston, and to look at Big Finish releases from December with me, I have Connor. Hello, Connor. Hello. So, um, spoiler warning, uh, Big Finish releases from December, believe it or not. Uh, That includes uh, The Warmaster, Escape from Reality, Touch with the Empire Man, Unit Visitants, uh, War Doctor Begins, He Who Fights with Monsters, Blake Seven, Allies and Enemies, and the Eighth Doctor Adventures Connections. That's what we're going to talk about anyway. Um, obviously, spoilers may float in from similar ranges and earlier releases and that kind of thing, so do consider yourself warned. Spoilers be here. Um, okay, Kono, nice and quick. What was your favourite release of the month? Uh, Albie's Angels specifically um, so the Eighth Doctor Adventures connections overall but Albie's Angels is the most I have enjoyed Big Finish in a very long time it has been it was absolutely fantastic and we'll get into more later on but I love that to bits I think I'm going to have to completely agree with you there but it was very difficult to pick it, it really was an exceptional month it was i mean as we said last week in our sort of review of 2022 it it's definitely the best month of the year and that's 
incredible considering how good a year it was. Um, so uh, let's let's go straight for it then. Let's talk first of all about uh, Escape from Reality, the latest Warmaster set. Um, I thought I was always going to enjoy this one. I thought, you know, as soon as they announced it's the master going into the land of fiction during the time war, uh, I thought, yep, absolutely great. You know, big finish of explored the land of fiction in various interesting ways before Uh, legend of the Cybermen being the one that sort of springs to mind the most uh, in which the Cybermen went into the land of fiction and started uh, converting creatures, legendary creatures, fictional characters, and all that kind of thing. Um, the idea of Cybermen transfer, um, transforming giants and all that kind of thing, converting giants. Um, so, yeah, it, it's it's kind of... It's a concept Big Finish have sort of played with before, but this definitely had a pretty fantastic and unique Warmaster slant to it. Um I'd actually struggle to pick out a favourite episode from this set. I kind of felt as though each story, each episode just got better and better as it went on. So, you know, everything was great. But I kind of felt as though that by the time we got to Dorian Gray, we'd kind of established a bit of a pattern. But um, it was just excellent. And, it, it, yeah, I really enjoyed it. So, Connor, talk to me about the Warmaster Escape from Reality. Uh, I, I loved it. I think it's one of the strongest Warmaster sets um, in the entire range, probably. Um, great idea. As, you, as you've mentioned, the, the Land of Fiction is a great idea. It's a great setting um, because it's so flexible and there's so much you can do with it. Um, I Again, I would also struggle to pick a favourite from these four episodes. I think it would either be episode one with all the different Greek myths and or 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 episode three um in the world of Sherlock Holmes because I, I think they're the two strongest episodes in the set. Um but for different reasons and they both do what they're doing extremely well. Um to focus in on that first episode, it's 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 a great showing for the master. You know, he works his way through alliance after alliance and he double he has no qualms about who he double crosses. Um, and he, he manipulates every single other character in the story masterfully. Um, it's it's he sort of hops, skips, and jumps between you know these different people, promising them one thing, and then snatching it away at the last minute and just totally betraying them. It's really really well done. I really like that. Um, but you also have the adventure of the de- of the uh, deceased doctor. Which I've said before, Richard Earle is an absolutely brilliant Doctor Watson. He's, he's possibly one of the best. He's, I think he may well be my favourite out of all who have played Watson over the years. Um, but you get him alongside the Master, who is pretending to be Sherlock Holmes here. Um, and this sort of it, it 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 digs into the different versions of Sherlock Holmes that have existed over the years and all the different iterations. You know, Sherlock Holmes has been reimagined a lot. Um, you know, we have the you know we have the BBC Sherlock, um, which is like the contemporary reimagining of it. We have a similar one in Elementary with um Holmes and then a female Watson, um, which was over in America. Um. But this sort of plays with that idea that there's, you know, how, you know, with different versions of the same 
you know, there are different adaptations all existing alongside one another in the land of fiction um, as their own little multiverse. And we get Watson meeting, you know, a different version of himself or a couple of different versions of himself um, and investigating his own murders. But it does, it, 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 what I love most about that story was Burn Gorman, who initially starts out playing uh, Inspector Lestrade and almost sounding like Big Finish's regular Lestrade. I, I was listening to it and I, I did think I could hear him, you know, cueing quite closely to, to John Banks's performance as Lestrade. But then it suddenly twists and we get this really lovely piece of work where because this is an audio medium and this version of Holmes and Watson are from an audio universe, um, which is Big Finish's own range, Moriarty is able to disguise himself by doing an impression of Lestrade and it's revealed that Bern Gorman's actually playing James Moriarty um, and he's able to disguise himself and Watson's not able to recognise him because he's doing an impression of Lestrade. That was brilliant. That was absolutely fantastic. I, I may never find another big finish that does that again, but top marks for that. Um, I absolutely love, loved that. Yeah, it was a great little sort of play on the idea of the land of fiction. And, well, to mention Legend of the Cybermen again, they did something pretty similar in that release, or fairly similar anyway, which was have the Cybermen sort of tricking people into recording booths to read audio books to actually make them part of the land of fiction. It, it, it was all very sort of meta and again, using the fact that this is audio drama um, as a neat little trick. And it worked incredibly well here. It was a really sort of great bit of casting as well. You know, Byrne Gorman was excellent. Actually took me a little while to recognise him. So like you say, he was pretty close to sort of uh, playing another, well, the same character, but played by someone else. Yeah, really, really good. I did enjoy the Dorian Gray episode. It's, for the most part, just a run-through of the picture of Dorian Gray, but with the master kind of manipulating, changing, that kind of thing, events as it goes on. Um, but it, it's... I was absolutely blown away by this release. I thought it was... It's probably the best War Master since Master of Callus, and that was set number two. So uh, we've we've come a long way. Let's move on then to uh, I'm going to talk about very briefly uh, the Empire Man, which was this month's or last month's uh, Torchwood release. Um, Queen Victoria, and I'm not the biggest fan of Queen Victoria Torchwoods. They're not bad. I don't dislike them, but they they don't sort of get me as excited as say, a Neanto release or a Tosh release or um, the Mr. Colchester and Ace releases that we've had a couple of over the last couple of years. Um, but this was a really strong story. Victoria's a little bit sidelined. It almost plays out as um, a little bit like a, a Doctor Who companion chronicle, really. Um, you've got three characters and each one sort of tells a bit of a ghost story and as you go on you sort of see how these stories link and where it's going and it all builds up to a particularly torchwoody uh, climax really enjoyed it really solid stuff it's definitely one of the stronger releases from last year so um yeah that was this month's torchwood 
And uh, at the end of January, we're going to have two Torchwoods to talk about. Uh, it's a whole new era of Torchwood we're visiting because it's got the 70s and autons in it. So I'm looking forward to that. Yes, I am as well. And it, 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 it's worth remembering the last time they did, they did this, we got Torchwood Soho out of it. Um, you know, with Norton Fulgate setting up, you know, a 1950s era of Torchwood. So I, I would love, you know, if to this for this to be just as successful and for us to get another um, period Torchwood series. Um, I would love that. One of my New Year's resolutions is to do more of the Torchwood main range. So I, I'm absolutely going to be dipping into the back catalogue and hopefully picking up some of the new episodes as well. The sort of exploring different eras was something that the range did quite a lot early on and then kind of started to do a little bit less because um, we've had fairly regular Queen Victoria stuff out of it as well. We've had at least one or two a year. Um, and that just came with a little bit of format experimentation. So... Hopefully this is opening up a new era or at least a new little bit of Torchwood they can play with. We shall see. Uh, next on our list, um, Unit, uh, Brave New World Visitants, which uh, sort of continued the story of Brigadier Bambera and her new team. Um, again, this was so good. Like the first set was fantastic, and I think it really benefited from no other Doctor Who characters, no uh, Doctor Who monsters or anything like that. This was just late nineties. Bambera is in charge of Unit. This is what Unit was getting up to in that time, and it it, it sort of played out really well. This continues it. It kind of pushes on with a bit of an ongoing storyline and introduces some very very 90s ideas I think actually um, you know, particularly with the frequency and sort of what was going on in there um, but three three very good and very different stories and very different from anything in the first set actually uh, so what were your thoughts on it Connor? Again I loved it I, I, I loved that first set uh, so much um, and this this didn't disappoint it lived up to those that same level um I, I i don't know that i could pick a favorite episode from it i think they're all very very um of the same level which of, of a very high standard um but uh, the frequency I liked, I, I I love. There's a really lovely little character moment in there for Savarin where he spells out just exactly why he doesn't trust um the program that the frequency is a part of, um that which is it's sort of like a training regime for mil- you know different military units, and and he doesn't he he it, it makes him very very uncomfortable, and the scene where he spells out why, um and and Bambera and Rex properly listen to him. And, and you know even though they've been a, a little bit at loggerheads with him so far they probably listen to him and take on board what he's saying and it's absolutely brilliant um and then the frequency then sort of comes back later on as well so something that the finale does really well is is tie back into the different elements from other episodes and make them part of this um uh alien I don't want to say conspiracy. Well, it is a sort of conspiracy, really. It 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 it, it ties all that stuff together really, really well, um, and gives us a a a really nice sort of action 
you know thriller finale um that has that the weight of the series behind it so it doesn't come out of nowhere it's it's built up to um and it does earn you know um what it does as a finale um i think possibly my favorite thing about it though is the music um which um is by Borna Matozik. um if, if I, I think i hope that's the right way to pronounce it if it's not i apologize but his music's absolutely fantastic. He had had a wee bit of a name among Doctor Who fandom for some of his Murray Gold covers, particularly throughout lockdown. Um, but he, he has got to come in here. He's got to write the brilliant theme for this series, and he pulls out all the stops with the score to this final episode. It's 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 brilliant, and I, I could listen again just to focus in on his on his on his score um top top marks for that yeah one thing that everyone has sort of praised this for from the start was the soundtrack which you know i agree it's it it, it fits the characters it fits what's going on in the sets it fits the time that they the sets are set in um yeah it's absolutely great um and yeah i agree that it, it's it's been Good to see this kind of pulled together as a series. And uh, here we are with two complete sets now. And we kind of, we can see how Unit goes from this late 90s set up to what it is when we kind of rejoin it in. Or we don't really rejoin Unit properly till about 2012-ish or whenever Power of Three is set. Um, so it's... There's still plenty of ground to cover, and I really hope we do get to return to these characters. Bambera is an excellent character. Angela Bruce is a fantastic lead. And it's it's exploring that sort of wilderness years Doctor Who era that because Big Finish didn't come along until 1999 and because Doctor Who went off air in 1989, uh, it's it's pretty uncovered territory in terms of visual or visual or audio media so yeah I, I i like series like this i like series set in this time and it, it's it's doing a very 90s thing and the only other sort of range that's doing that i guess is um master the eric roberts master range and it's doing very very different 90s style thing uh which obviously we've talked about in the past yeah, I would actually love them to do a crossover between the two ranges just for the sheer 90s-ness of it. Um, I would love to hear the Eric Roberts master bumping into Bambera and the team. Um, but I do love... I That would come at a bit of a cost, I think, because Unit Brave New World has been very much its own series. It hasn't. Bar a couple of mentions of the likes of Torchwood, although there's another crossover I would love to happen. Um, bar that sort of thing, there hasn't been an awful lot of connection with the rest of the doctor who universe and that was i that was really refreshing i really liked that and i liked that the series had the, the confidence to stand on its own two feet um so while i i really hope that continues to be the norm for brave new world going forward i would like there to be the occasional exception um and have you know the likes of the master pop up or or like the seventh doctor and ace um get another story with bambera yeah i definitely think that I mean, Seventh Doctor and Ace, we're kind of, for a few years, we've been, I had this older Mel, Mel rejoins the TARDIS storyline on pause. We've not seen much of that for a while. Uh, I'd actually quite like them to look a little bit more 
uh, it's kind of what they did in the early days of Big Finish, which was how do we continue this story? How do we continue the Seventh Doctor and Ace? Because they do seem to have been in a little bit of a holding pattern for a while. And actually, I think maybe just going back to that, let's set some adventures before Hex, uh, perhaps, thing could really work. And that would be the perfect time for Bambera and Co. to turn up kind of early, mid-90s. Not quite what if who had continued after 89, but, you know, its own little thing exploring kind of that time and some themes that would have mattered around that time. So that's something we can cross our fingers for. Yeah, the, the one that I have, because I've heard it recently, because it's one of the Christmas stories, is um, the Grey Man of the Mountain does that uh, sort of thing where it's it's like an extension to season 26 um, where it's just the seventh doctor and ace in it, it does, it never really pins down what year it is. And it does deliberately sort of muddy the waters as to what year that's set in, but it does feel like it's the seventh doctor and ace in the mid nineties, um, which I loved and, and would definitely be up for more of. Yeah. I'd certainly set it kind of around after battlefield. Um, but for the seventh doctor and ace, I'd have it relatively close to the end of season 26, certainly before they meet Hex and all that kind of thing. So there's a lot to uh, love about it. Up next then, uh, one that I had been really looking forward to, actually, and it definitely didn't let me down. Uh, The War Doctor Begins, He Who Fights With Monsters. Now... This has sort of quietly turned into a great little range. Uh, Jonathan Carley's really good in the role. Like, there are times where it's very difficult to convince me that it's not John Hurt. Um, And what we got here was a kind of big, epic war movie story. So, so far, we've had individual episodes. The second set was kind of... It was less of one solid storyline, but this was, without a doubt, one big three-parter. And it it sort of, in some ways, reminded me of things like Star Wars or that, you know, big kind of space war adventure type thing, and I did particularly enjoy that. So what did you think? Um, Yes, I liked it. I, 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 I think I maybe prefer set one and set three most out of this range. Um, but this is certainly not too far behind them. Um, Jonathan Carley continues to be great as the War Doctor. I, I, I dare say that this is his best performance so far. Um, it's that final sort of sequence towards the end of episode two where he's really furiously ranting at the Daleks, um, but is keeping his, you know, is keeping the War Doctor there. You know, he, he still sounds like John Hurt. It would have been so easy for a lesser performer to have lost either the performance there or the impression. Carly keeps both the whole way through that, and he's brilliant. So that's a real testament to his talent as an actor. Um, he's 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 one of the. I I think he's probably the very strongest recast Doctor that we've had. Um, out of them all. Um, but yes, I like this again. I think episode two I'd mark out as my favorite. Um, I know it's I know it's chapters one, two, and three of the same story, um, but um, I think I think it was the most solid instalment out of them. Um, that twist and there's the, this is a major spoiler for anyone who hasn't heard it. Um, 
the twist where he finds the master's body placed outside the barber surgeon's headquarters or base or whatever you want to call it. Um, as a, and it's sort of placed that or I take it that the master's body sort of placed there as a warning to intruders and an invitation to the doctor from the barber surgeon. Um, that was a brilliant twist. My jaw dropped. That was uh, that was really really well done. Um, but yes, it's a strong set. It's one I'm looking forward to re-listening to because it's it's one of those ones again I've, I've mentioned before. I'll often get more out of a set on second listening, um, and I think that's going to be the case here. But um, yes, I did like it. I did enjoy it. It's definitely uh, encouraged me to do a full what we have so far of the War Doctor run. Uh, at some point, so I'll do all the War Doctor begins and then all of the John Hurt sets as well. Um, I think that could be a sort of really fun little listen through, and I think all of it is, like you say, stuff that you benefit from hearing more than once. Um, in terms of Jonathan Carley, yeah, absolutely, really sort of strong recast, definitely one of the best, if not the best. And it, it's I often find when when a character's recast, you can either have a really good impression, but the performance isn't that strong, aka you've got an impressionist instead of an actor, uh, or the other way around. In this case, and I have to say, actually, in the cases of most recasts at Big Finish, not just Doctors, but in general, um, it's just exceptional. The performance is as strong as the impression. It's the closest that we will ever get to hearing... John Hurt again um, and yeah it, it's not not easy shoes to fill but Carly has definitely done it um, and I, I think that over the four sets that performance has definitely improved I think that we are I think that we're looking at something great and I like to think that really we're only at the start of sort of this War Doctor era that we're now going to have. Because let's face it, the War Doctor era at Big Finish can essentially be the same as the Eighth Doctor at Big Finish. You know, uh, McGann has been Big Finish's Doctor, he appeared on screen once before Big Finish got hold of him, and we've got a whole era there to enjoy, and I love the same. Absolutely love to have the same for the War Doctor um, the only thing I would like to do, perhaps, just for a bit, just to change things up slightly, would be take the War Doctor out of the Time War and actually have him just in the normal pre-Time War Hooniverse, similar to what they did with Dalek Universe, I guess, uh, but he could be actively trying to get back in, actively trying to find a way back into the Time War for unfinished business and all that. So, yeah, there's... There's a lot of ground that we can play with here, and I really, really hope that they do continue it for a long time. It's good to see that we've got more sets announced. One of my something that has stuck in my head for a long time, and um, just as you're talking about that, the War Doctor having an era, um, was I cannot remember for the life of me who it was. It was a long time ago, um, but on Twitter, someone once had put together, um. It wasn't a full-on piece of Photoshop artwork or anything like that, but it was a somewhat younger than when he played the Dr. John Hurt and a somewhat younger than he played the master, Derek Jacobi. And it was put up with the 2005 Dr. Logo or Dr. Who logo or a variation of it. And it was pitched as like Dr. Who 
you know, 1990 or 2000 or something like that. And it was as if those two had had an era with, you know, John Hurt playing the Doctor for years and, and Derek Jacobi playing the Master. And there's an awful... The, 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 what I, I continue... I am continuously... I, I, I have always regretted that we never just had the chance just with the way things lined up to have a war master story with the war doctor or a war doctor story with John Hurt as the doctor and, and, and Derek Jacobi as the master. Um, it's something I wish they would do with the Jonathan Carley range, but there's so much potential there um, that, that can, can be done with these two characters. And, and I would love to see, um, I, I would love to see that happen really. I mean, I've said this many times before, but one thing I do really want to see is the the Time War stuff kind of moving a bit closer together, becoming, even though it's a load of different ranges, sort of all becoming part of the same thing, you know, be a little bit more coherence between all of them. And it, it, it is starting to happen. We're seeing more characters appearing two or three different ranges you know Vecklin's been in a few Rasmus has been in a few uh, the general has been in a few now um and yeah I kind of I want to see that continuing I do want to see characters crossing over one thing I really did enjoy and sort of added to that in uh, he who fights with monsters is uh Leela's sort of little cameo um which perhaps gives us a bit of a hint as to where the current Gallifrey series is going um, because she seems to be a little bit more indoctrinated by then uh, than she did in the first War Room set so it's going to be interesting to see how Leela's character changes but it's if they get it right it's kind of Big Finish's own cinematic universe quote-unquote um, the Time War could really be something special and it could be something that we're still only kind of getting into the beginning of, even though we've had Time War releases from Big Finish for over half a decade now. Um, so, yeah, I hope that keeps going and I hope it. we sort of keep... Uh, I hope the momentum continues with it. The one that, that they spoke about one, I, I'd, and at... It, it keeps getting mentioned on forums and, and on Twitter and whatnot from fans who, who maybe heard about it at the time. But I I think, don't quote me on it, I think it was David Richardson said either in a podcast or an interview or in Vortex or somewhere that there were they were looking at doing a Suicide Squad style range with different Renegade Time Lords being put together on a team by the Time Lords to act as a sort of black ops squad in the time war against the Daleks and that I can only imagine that being the master, the meddling monk, the Rani, the 12, um, and maybe the doctor as well, all being put on one team and being sent into dangerous missions by the time Lords. Um, it was never, I think it was mentioned once by big finish as a possibility and then was never spoken of again. I've half a mind that it has maybe come to fruition in the form of Gallifrey, Gallifrey war room. But, um, I would love, I, I still have that image of the different renegade Time Lords being sent on different missions. I, I would love that to happen someday. I think it would be absolutely excellent, and I'd be all over it. As soon as it was announced, I'd, I'd have to go straight for that one. Um, there's a lot of potential there, and it, it's, you know, we do have this kind of murky morality with the Warmaster, 
um and we have, well we have murky morality in gallifrey as well you know it's gallifrey series has shown rassilon's return and consolidation of power and increasing descent into madness and uh I kind of I hope we keep going with that because one thing that Big Finish have established is that there is a sort of anti-time war Gallifreyan resistance and I kind of want to see a little bit more of that which I'm assuming is where Gallifrey War Room is going but uh, we're, we're not quite there yet but we've only had one set out of four with War Room and goodness knows how many other time war releases to come but I'm keeping an eye on it and I feel like it is moving somewhere now and I feel like there's something happening with the Time War strand that hasn't been done so far. So next release to talk about uh, is uh, one that I really enjoyed and definitely sort of... Uh, it caught me a little bit off guard actually with just how much I enjoyed it, uh, which was Blake Seven Allies and Enemies. Um... Now, this set, it's part of the world of Blake 7 range. So, Blake 7, sadly, we've lost so many cast members now that uh, it's no longer viable to do anything like just full range normal Blake 7. But Big Finish has been exploring the universe of Blake 7 for a good couple of years now with absolutely great results. This one was a strange yet interesting sort of set up um it focused on the character of arlen who appeared in one episode which was the very last episode of blake seven um and there was a lot you know she became a very significant character and it was hinted that there was you know history there and that kind of thing and this set finally kind of gives us that and Obviously, we saw Arlen in Series 4 of Blake 7, and what we have in this set is an episode set in Series 1, an episode set in Series 2, and an episode set in Series 3. So it now feels like Arlen has constantly been there in the background on her own mission uh, to bring down Blake, which we know that she does complete. Um, so a very interesting character to pick on. Um, and... Um, brilliantly performed um by sasha mitchell who returned after 40 40 odd years yeah 40 years um it was great we got stuff from other regulars in there as well and um we got what may well be stephen greif's last performance as travis as only a few days after this set came out uh it was announced that he had very sadly died um, he's been at Big Finish on and off, done work with Big Finish um, since quite early on. I think his first Big Finish was Primeval, which was a fairly early uh, monthly range release, a Fifth Doctor and Nissa story. So if this is Stephen Greif's Big Finish send-off, then it's, it's an absolutely excellent one to go out on. And uh, it's a shame that the sort of continuing strand of the clone Travis maybe won't get to see its way through to uh, the conclusion they were hoping. But um, yeah, an excellent performance, an excellent character and indeed an excellent set. 
Um, I, I, I have heard Primeval. I, I, I um, don't remember him in that because uh, I've only heard of it once a couple of years ago. But um, the one I always, because I've, 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 I've seen him in Blake 7 and he's the TV series and he's excellent. He was always excellent in that. But I think the first thing I heard him in was um, Big Finish's Ghost Walk, which is a Fifth Doctor main range adventure. Um, and he plays the main villain in that, a sort of demonic entity, and he's utterly terrifying. And um, that performance always, always stuck in my memory um, because it's it's genuinely, genuinely unnerving, and he's totally unrecognizable in it. Um, it's a really, really strong performance, um, and that that's the one that I always remember him for. I mean, he he, he had such an excellent villain voice. Um, sort of a very notable, memorable voice. He also did a very, very good uh, impression of um, Paul Darrow's Avon in the late sev- latest Blake Seven audio novel, uh, Terra Nostra Zero Point, uh, which he read. It was it was absolutely brilliant. I think it was probably the best of the three sort of tie-in novels that uh, Big Finish have done with the. Worlds of Blake Seven range definitely enjoyed the other two, but uh, yeah, Stephen Greif really did a good job of bringing this one to life. Um, so yeah, it's it's a shame that we've we've lost someone else from the the sort of Blake Seven family. We'll move on, and we will move on to uh, what we both said was our favourite release of the month. Um, mainly perhaps due to one episode, although I, I think it was a very strong set throughout, uh, it is the Eighth Doctor Adventures Connections. Um, I'll let you go first on this one, Connor. Um, yeah, it was another strong little, as 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 you said, it's another strong set. Um, and I'm 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 glad that this departure from the Eighth Doctor's usual or 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 previous style um, of 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 long. You know, sixteen episode arcs. I'm glad that this departure from that has has worked so well. Um, first episode, we get a sequel to one of my favorites, which is the Trouble of Drax. We get uh, here lies Drax then in connections, um, and it does the same trick. You know, spoilers for for um, both stories really. There, um, it does the same trick where everyone that the TARDIS crew meets is Drax in some incarnation or other, um, except this puts a nice little twist on, and after previously hyping up Shane Ritchie as Drax so much, the twist then is that he's the one person who's admitting to being Drax, he's the one person who isn't. Um, and that's 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 a nice little twist there, um, which I think I did see coming maybe about two minutes before it happened, but um, nonetheless very, very effective and very well done. But the absolute standout from the set is Albie's Angels, which reaches the whole way back to um, the start of Helen's story and what we've learned about her and her family over her adventures. So we've seen, you know, we've, we've, we've been... Drip fed is not the word, but we slowly learn, you know, more about her and more about her family. And um, this sort of has capitalised on all of that that has been done over the years with her. Um and we get to meet her brother, um, who is just as estranged, if not more so, from the rest of the family than uh, than than Helen is. Um, who she clearly has a lot in common with, and and I dare say was maybe closest to out of all her brothers. But um, she gets to meet him, and and 
it's brilliant. You know, anytime Helen has met her family or or has bumped up against that past, she ha- it, it has always worked really well. This this knocks them all. This knocks it out of the park completely. Um, I've it's it's. Uh, I, I said at the start, it's the most I've enjoyed Big Finish for ages. That's no slight against the rest of their output, of course, but this is this is a step above and beyond, I think, anything else they've done, certainly with this team. And it's a testament as well. You know, I'd mentioned previously um, with Paradox of the Daleks, it does. You know, we we get a lot of, we get an awful lot out of seeing them meet the Daleks because there's that history there. The same thing here is because there's so much history and because we've had this ongoing storyline over the years, this always hits harder. This sort of thing always hits harder than coming out of the blue, because you know we we have had the legwork done. We you know I think I get more out of this sort of thing where Big Finish have an ongoing storyline than you know maybe when than when we're dropping into an era. Um, for an adventure or two and then being lifted straight out again you know that has its merits i do like dropping in on on doctors and companions for a one-off little story but i don't think it can it can compete with this level of 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 character work and this this level this level of leg work that goes into crafting this sort of story um it it's it's just brilliant brilliant definitely one of my all-time favorites yeah it, it was it- Going into it, I think we all knew it was going to be sort of very powerful emotionally uh, to listen to. Uh, Albie was beautifully set up in Stranded, you know, just uh, uh, it was kind of a throwaway conversation at the end of an episode that it's just so fantastic that that has led to something and has become a really sort of big special episode and... Yet again, Big Finish have used the Weeping Angels in an incredibly effective way. Um, they've used them to tell a story that you couldn't with any other Doctor Who villain. Um, and it, it's it's quite rare now, actually, that any Doctor Who monster can kind of feature in such a unique way. Um, so huge achievement there and just, yeah, one hell of a brilliant story uh something really really special to end the year on uh definitely um and i'm looking forward to i'm planning some kind of eighth doctor marathon complete era type thing in the not too distant future and i'm so looking forward to going back to both the sets that have come out over the last couple of months um but they will of course be right near the end of that marathon um i've got an awful lot to get through before then and it's all great stuff it's all thoroughly enjoyable um and uh just honorable mention not really an honorable mention but just to mention the other two episodes both really strong i did really enjoy here lies drax i love the fact that it had the nerve to kind of just pull the exact same twist as the trouble with drax uh, and it completely gets away with it it's so well done um and the love vampires was it's going to be naturally the story from the set that i think is perhaps a little forgotten or less talked about but it's still very excellent it's still a really sort of strong and interesting idea and it's it's a story that i'm so glad this tardis team uh kind of ended up in um it suits them really well um so 
it's been a great year for the Eighth Doctor. Like, wow, we've had Stranded Four, which just tied off that range beautifully with a bow, and now we've had two incredible sets. And the Eighth Doctor is still, still the Doctor who I look forward to hearing from the most at Big Finish. A new Eighth Doctor announcement's always something that I get excited by. And long may that continue. Well, that is December wrapped up. We've done it. We've done another month. Um, <laughs> so, obviously, we will be back in the not-too-distant future with some more spodcasting. Uh, and, obviously, at the end of January, start of February, we will look back over that month as well. Um but in the meantime, to all of our listeners, happy new year. So I will say thank you and goodbye to Connor. Thank you very much. Uh, and as I say, we'll be back in a week's time with more Spodcast. Until then, goodbye now. <laughs>